When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Mika Simmons and welcome to the Happy Vagina podcast. Coming up, June Sarpong MBE and Natalie Campbell join me to discuss the growing need to campaign for more women of colour to take advantage of regular checkups for all things gynae and why, perhaps, they don't. But firstly, I wanted to tell you about Kindred. Kindred is a new app which, in a nutshell, allows you to share the things that you love while donating to the charity of your choice. Yeah, it really is as simple as that. You post your favourite new coat, lipstick or any other product you choose from the Kindred app, make a genuine recommendation to your followers and a percentage of any sale goes to your favourite charity. As if that wasn't good enough, a percentage of the sale goes directly to you too. Or if you're feeling super flush, you can choose to give all of your commission away. You can download the app at www.kindred.co. Kindred, share what you love. Welcome to the Happy Vagina, where we shame bust thoughts and feelings around all things sex, gynaecology and female body judgment. We share honestly about our experiences so you can do the same, leading to better health, better sex and better lives. I'm Mika Simmons, I'm at the Albright and today on the Happy Vagina we have two exceptional female broadcasters, June Sarpong and Natalie Campbell. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Happy Vagina. Hi, Mika. So excited you're here. I've been looking forward to this so much. Natalie Campbell, host of the brilliantly named Badass Woman's Hour. You are an inspiration on so many fronts. Award-winning serial entrepreneur, businesswoman, broadcaster, mentor, founder, author, strategist, and director of insight and innovation at the Royal Foundation. Woo! I have actually been considering whether or not I should ask you to mentor me. And I thought, if I ask now, here in front of everyone, you're going to say no. I can. That's a no from Natalie Campbell to mentor me. always know how to say no. She just said no, yeah. I'm like crushed. <laughs> June, MBE, I've watched you on TV since I was a teenager. And I've looked up to you as a superb presenter and host who I find can address the most serious of subjects in a really accessible way. You are also an entrepreneur, author, charity director, ambassador, campaigner and founder. But not a strategist. <laughs> <laughs> not a strategist, neither am I. You are both clearly incredibly bright women. And we thought we'd test the brightness mm. with the Happy Vagina Quiz. Right. <laughs> are you ready? Yes. Yeah. So the first questions are true or false, and you can confer. Question one. Oprah Winfrey put the word VJJ into popular use. Yeah, I believe that. You think yeah, that's... Yeah, because she says it on her show all the time. She used to say VJJ. False. I'm going with Towie. 
Ooh. No, Oprah was saying for JJ before Towie. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oprah was saying for JJ like 20 years ago. Okay. When did Towie start? That is actually true. Yeah. The history of it was <laughs> it was used yeah. in a TV episode of Grey's Anatomy, of which Oprah is a big <laughs> fan. And then she went and used it in her show, catapulting it into everyday colloquial language and even the Webster Dictionary. Oh, yeah. I mean, Oprah, right? Jazzy Delissa, who was one of the first faces of our Lady Garden campaign, told me that the Jamaican nickname for Jane is Pum Pum. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah, Because I've totally, totally taken that on. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. But don't go around saying that to lots of people. No, why? Because sometimes it can be seen as offensive, right? Yeah. Oh, really? Why? Because you, you can, you can, if you call someone yeah. that, not very. Is it yeah, like in the, the C way word? that if you called someone the C, C word, word here, in, you know, in standard yeah. English? So it's, it's a swear word. It can be. A bit of both. Yeah. So yeah. I shouldn't go around going... Unless you're listening to dance hall and reciting dance hall lyrics and then which totally fine. Which actually I am a big fan of. Great. But, Are you really? Yes! Yeah. yeah. Really? But like... Am I allowed to call my vagina my pum pum? Yes. Okay, yeah, but I just yeah. shouldn't call other people a pum pum. No. no. Be like, you're a pum pum. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> might find yourself in trouble. Depending what part of London you're in. But you said you say, I'm like, it sounds so elegant. <laughs> it could be on a t shirt, the way, you, the way you're saying it. And I'm like, yeah, growing up, not too so like much. to have a look at my pum pum. Please. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, but you are a big pum pum. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to say it. I dare you. The next time you bump into someone you don't like, I dare you. I'm going to do it. Or someone I really fancy. Okay, look. Question two. Question two. Hysteria is from the Latin hystera, and hystera means uterus. Why would it have evolved to hysteria? Well... Hysteria. We, you know, we're always saying that women panic, and you know, it's the things that people say about women, isn't it? They do say that women are hysterical. Yeah. So we're going with true. Well, I'm going to go look, based on the fact it's in here. I'm going to go yes, true. It is true. Mm. In the Victorian era, only women were thought to have had hysteria. Only women. Oh. Wow. The prescribed treatment was a pelvic massage. To induce hysterical paroxysm, <laughs> basically an orgasm, which Ooh. would supposedly restore the women to full health. Obviously. I think that was dodgy doctor, basically, yes. <laughs> and then, with a different agenda. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and then, apparently, <laughs> yeah. the doctor started to complain about wrist pain, so created the vibrator. <gasps> No. I don't mind that outcome. I don't mind that outcome. We thank that doctor. Yeah. Whoever he was, her or she was. Well done, you got that right. The G-spot is named after the ghoul or ghost as it is so hard to find. No. no. I bet you it's the, it's the doctor who June Sarpong has got her vagina facts right. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie is nodding. It's actually named after Ernest Grafenberg, who was a German-born gynaecologist who is known for developing the IUD and for his studies in the role of the woman's urethra in orgasm. Okay. Yeah. Question four, true or false, black women and other ethnic minority groups are more likely to have poorer gyne health outcomes. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yes. 
which is one of the main reasons why I wanted you on here today, because I recently read that black women in the UK are fivefold more likely to die die from complications surrounding pregnancy and childbirth. Mm -hmm. And there are currently huge research projects starting since this this came out a couple of years ago. Mm. And since then, there is research going into it, which um, we're all really excited about. It's time for that to happen. Question five. The NHS found a steady increase of female obstetricians and gynaecologists, which now make up 67% of that workforce. So 67%. Is that true? It is true. Really? Really? They're looking really shocked. Like, no. I didn't believe that. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Another brilliant fact we found was that in the US, in 1970, only 7% of US gynaecologists were women, and now it's 59%. So they are behind us, wow. but they are still catching up. Great. Yeah. 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 Amazing. You girls have done really well in that bit. We've got five quick fire personal questions for you that you are not allowed to confer on. Okay. No consulting, please. Number one, brief or G-string? Brief for me. Brief. Number two, Brazilian or Bush? I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> no answering. Not conferring and June, no June is not consulting on the no. Brazilian or Bush. Full Hollywood. <laughs> Nashley likes oh a full Hollywood. Hollywood. Lays it off. Oh my God, Done. Matt. I'm literally just so excited that you're here. It, it's, it's literally the feeling. It's Yeah, I had my head shaved, for God's sake. For, for like, a while, you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, and it was bald. But mm. I just like, I like baldness. Well, it's because your skin's so smooth, <laughs> oh, darling. Yeah. She does have very smooth skin. That is true. I've been like, Yeah, like your it. skin is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, tampon or moon cup? Tampon. Uh, I'm old school. I still use sanitary towels. Do you? Yeah. All, th- all the way through? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Don't like a tampon? Not really, no. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Much better for you. Those eco ones are good. Eco? Yeah. What do you think about the new knickers? That's good for long term. Have yeah. you tried them? The, the, the knickers that have the sanitary wear in them? I'm not... I have a very heavy flow, so I'm not convinced they would save my life. But I'm, I use both. I'm, yeah. I'm really right. I do use both. But like, if I'm on the move and it's a busy day, I'll have tampons. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I'll come on. back. My next charity project is all around that. So, ah. period poverty. So, I'll be back to is talk it? more when it's ready. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, no, I want to talk about it now. But we're not going to. We're going to move on to the next question. And June is going to come back on in season two to talk about specifically period poverty yes, and how she is going to revolutionise. Well, we're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> question four Clitoral or G spot? Uh, both, no? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why, why limit why yourself? Why choose? <laughs> this, this, but I was thinking, I was like, well, I like clitoris. If I can have both, I'd yeah. have both. But. <laughs> They're quite different, aren't they? They're different. Like the yeah. clitoral orgasm is definitely like a finished article. And the other just goes all the way through. Yeah. 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 And then you can have more. And what's lovely is two together is kind of cool. Oh, I haven't had that. Oh, well. Oh, time oh. <laughs> You. Just educate us. Educate us. Someone who will not tell us whether or not she's got a bush or whether or not she has a Brazilian, but she will do vagina stimulation workshops with us. Thank you, Jim Sarbon. Last question Vibrator or vegetable? <laughs> Again, not answering. Ooh, it depends like, on the context, though. <laughs> And I'm assuming when you mean a vegetable just generally in life for health. But vegetables are good for us. Well, I've just heard, <laughs> Natalie, that some people like to use vegetables for stimulation. They well, do? Right. Yeah. No, I haven't no, tried that no, one. Thanks. Some people have. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right. You're okay with yeah. the vibrator and the hand. I, I quite like the hand and the uh, penis. Uh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. 
And the mouth? Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So I can tell you that you got four of the five multiple choice questions oh, right. Yeah. Nice. So you clearly have a very high vagina IQ. Okay. Well done. The VI, vagina intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To get a bit more serious, June and Natalie, you are both extraordinarily talented and hardworking women with achievements that span multiple sectors. Your work really stands out on its own, but you also do a lot of work championing young black women and projects that enhance the lives of black people everywhere. Mm. June, mm. as I've said, I've watched you on TV for a long time. Mm. And I wanted to ask you whether or not when you were younger presenting T4, you were as much of an activist? Like, mm. has your voice changed or your relationship to yourself as a woman changed? No, not really. I think I was very um, active from the get-go. Mm. And and really just because of my background, you know, my parents are, are Ghanaian, they were immigrants. Uh, we had to leave Ghana during the second coup. And I think when you've impacted, your life, your life has been impacted in that way, you just develop a deeper sense of social justice and also you understand the importance of good governance and and why civil society matters and why politics in particular matters so I was always very political so even in the early days of T4 I managed to convince our bosses to allow us to bring an element of politics to the show so that's when I did the first Tony Blair special Mm -hmm. and then we did knife crime Mm -hmm. we did climate change all the things that are going on now were really sort of beginning when we when I was at T4 you know, knife crime then, you, it was, you know, just after Damilola Taylor. And at the time, that was such a big deal that this one kid had been stabbed. And then if you look at what's going on now, it's it's insane. And and the government really didn't have a handle of it then, um, still don't now. But, you know, what was great was we did um, lots of polling and lots of data around it as well. So there's lots of things that we did on the show that a normal youth entertainment show wouldn't have done. And that was the type of stuff that I really pushed through. You were driving that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, what was the point of doing that show? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And Natalie, you've spoken quite widely about an incident that happened when you were 14, Mm -hmm. when a teacher, Mm -hmm. was it a teacher where you you thought that you had a triple jeopardy, Mm -hmm. where you were poor or at least not rich, Mm -hmm. a woman and black. Mm -hmm. And that teacher took you aside after you expressed that and said to you, that is not that doesn't need to stop you. You can do anything with wow, your life. What a good teacher. Miss Saunders. Oh, teachers. Yes. So um, I think I, I was taking in sort of conversations from around me. And I don't know why, but I, I, a group of girls, we were chatting after class. She was a sort of teacher that would say, come, just come and ha- hang out in the mm. classroom instead of out, you know, outside in the playground. And she, she overheard this conversation and she stopped me. She said, do you really believe that? And I was like, well, yes, of course I do. Um, and then the following week, she was my English teacher. Uh, this was year nine English. She she set us a task and we had a list of colours. And we had to write what those colours meant to us. And okay. when I got to black, Ooh. I started writing power and beautiful. And I saw she came over. And it's, it's weird how these things stay in your mind. And she went in an approving way. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just... She didn't have to say anything, but, but I got knew, what yeah. it was that she was doing. And from that moment onwards, I was like, whatever I thought last week, I do not, not think, think that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and was, that's it. What was going on? So I'm really keen to know about what your life was like, what your relationship to yourself was as a young woman before that moment. My worldview was formed by a group of 10 girlfriends that I went partly to primary school with and then to secondary school. And we were called the Little Miss Crew. And we thought we were fabulous, but mm. equally not because society almost 
told us that at that point it was the rise of the Vidi 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 girl. Yeah. So the Puff Daddy video girls, yeah. the, mm-hmm. so they dance video? like big, big oh, booties. Oh, sexy in a G-string and stuff. Oh, yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't cool to be smart, and I was smart. Oh. So you had to sort of hide intelligence. Okay. Um, the girls that were popular wore the big chaps earrings. Yeah. And I didn't, weren't getting any of that. And like, my dad was like, your name is Natalie Campbell, so no one ever knows that you're a black woman. So you can get as far as you could possibly get. <laughs> oh my God, did he say that? Yeah. Did well, he actually yeah. say that to you? Mm-hmm. What impact did that have on you in terms That's of your... That's like, great, let's do this. But again, I think it's it's context. He, I wanted to be a CEO from the age of 15. Mm. And so anything that said, you can be who you want to be. He used to drive me around the city and we'd look up and he'd say, you can have any of this. Wow. All of this can be yours. So you didn't fall into a kind of codependency with your girl gang. Like you actually really maintained a sense of deep independence and and, yeah. and mm. knowing who, and being okay with who, who you were. And was that the same with your relationship with your body as a young girl? Yeah, because that, and that's the thing. I've spoken about this a lot on Badass Women's Hour where Harriet and Emma were talking about the rise of the waif models and that sort of stuff. I was like, I didn't have any of that. I had big women with big boobs like dancing and yeah, I was like, yeah. that's what I need. Yeah. So there was no requirement to need to be a waif or need to have, you know, to have anything. I was like, I need some boobs and booty yeah. out here. That's I don't want to be I skinny. Need. No, I do not want to be skinny. Heroin chic, no thank you. No yeah. way. Wave. I don't even know if I saw it because it just wasn't what I deemed to yeah. be attractive mm-hmm. or boys that I liked thought mm. they was weren't attractive. into that. No. And I you know, the hip the hip hop bands and the R and B bands wore big baggy clothing. Mm. So it wasn't about being skimpy, no. it was about wearing plaid shirts down to my knees. So you felt at home in your body as a young woman because your body shape you didn't feel that you were in conflict. With what, well, also, with it was the was... desirable body shape for the area exactly. you were in. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. were the fit girl. If anything, yeah. I wanted more. I wanted more mm. boobs. Mm. I didn't come into my boobs until I was 30. Wow. Really? Yeah. I had no boobs until 30. Wow. Literally. What happened? Did you go on the pill? No, I just, one day I was like, I got boobs. I just like them more. I don't know, but I just. That's amazing. I've never heard that. Yeah. How exciting. How exciting. Yeah. That's great. I'm going to definitely be sharing that with a few young women that I mentor. It's not too late. Did you have a lot of women around you when oh, you yeah. were growing up? I had up? fabulous women around me. Did um, you? So, like I said, my family are from Ghana and, um, you know, Ghana is a matriarchal society. And so the women run the show. Mm. culturally, um, economically, uh, socially. It's just everything is centered around the woman in our culture. So the wonderful thing about it is they are very emancipated women. So Mm. I grew up around very uh, opinionated women, uh, proud women, Mm. women who are really comfortable with their femininity because, you know, it's almost like the sorts of confusing attitudes we have in the West around feminism and whether or not you know you can still be feminine and a feminist those women had none Mm. of that uh, um um uh, confusion in any way shape or form they just had that perfect balance well they were in their power yeah actually they were in their power and no one shamed them for being a woman no they were strong women women, but they were still happy to make their husband's dinner to them there was no conflict Mm. and i think there's something to learn for as western women from women like that so that's what what i grew up around so in terms of um my self-image i always had quite a healthy self-image because (laughs) my mother was so full of herself (laughs) so i think when you grow up with a mother who genuinely thinks she's the most beautiful thing on the planet like she really probably is 
She still thinks she's the same woman from when she was 20. So, um, so she had this unbelievable amount of confidence. So even, you know, we were in a very multicultural area and uh, we'd go to Walthamstow Market, which was very white working class. And my mother was the woman that all of the market stall men would give free food to. Do you see what I mean? So that's what mm. I grew up around. So I just grew up around a healthy entitlement. Yes, I don't mean health... entitled in that no, kind of way. No, no, arrogant, no, 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 no. Like no. She knew her place. She knew yeah. her place, and she knew her power as a woman, mm. as did my aunts. Um, and mm. again, size wasn't an issue. Some of them were really big. Some of them, mm. in fact, they preferred the bigger ones. To mm. be honest, mm. in our culture. Mm. So I just grew up around women who were really comfortable with themselves. Mm. So that really helped. And were you close? Did you used to talk to your mum about everything? No. Okay. In African culture, you don't do that. Yeah. You don't talk about sex. You no. don't talk about... Interesting. No. Oh, no way. And do you, do you, <laughs> so when you got your period for the first time, who did you tell? My sister. Right. Yeah, and, and I tell my so, sister. So, so just being a, a new generation with you, your sister... Yeah, my sister's talked... a, a lot older than me. My sister's sort of seven or eight years older than me. So, um, yeah, so stuff like that, I would talk to my sister. Mm. So, yeah, I think I started around 13 as well. It's a good um, age. Yeah, but there was no celebration. Like, these these kids now, they're so lucky. Like, their mums throw parties My mum threw a party for lucky me. Lucky you! Really? Do you remember a moment, like a defining moment, when you realised that you weren't a man and that you had... A, the thing that distinguished you from a man was the fact that you had a, a vagina or a different body makeup. Mm, no. Well, because I never grew up thinking that being male was the default position. Mm. So I always was a woman. Mm. Yeah, so... No, no. I, yeah, I was always a girl and, and, and happy to be one. And I never, ever wanted to be a boy. Were you open with your family? So, like, with no. your sister, would you walk around naked? Was it very closed? Oh, okay. or was it, like, playful sister, in the sense? With my sister, we, I would walk around naked, but we weren't open as a family. No. Again, that generation no. of African, you don't do all that. No. You don't walk around naked. You was don't that the talk same about for you? Natalie's nodding. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. It's, it's the same as, as June. Uh, you know, I grew up with my grands mm. and my aunts. Who would have been even more traditional. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was when I got to school that I really understood the power of having a vagina and also how different it was and the potential for it being either looked after or not looked after. Oh. Like the vulnerability around mm. it, you know? Yeah. Maybe partly because my mum was so feminist, it was just, it was just, it was not something that, I think I just remember a stark change when I was like, oh, that's something that I need to be a bit careful with. Mm. That's something that actually needs to be cherished. So now you say that, it triggered in my mind conversations again with this group of 10 girls and it was either you um, were frigid. Yes. Frigid at one end. Yes. Or loose. In, you didn't want to be loose or a sketch. Yeah. yeah. So sketel. Uh, similar to your pum pum conversation. And slosher. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah, guys yeah, say you slosher? Yeah, you didn't want to be a slosher. <laughs> yeah. So there was a spectrum of if you frigid, basically none of the boys liked you. Yeah. But if you were, you know, too active, overly active, yeah, so no one would take you seriously. Exactly. Mm. And so you needed to strike the fine balance of mm. being in between. But mm. this is all like what I find fascinating about all of that because I went through all of that at school too. I don't know any woman that didn't really, and it impacted everyone in different ways. But really, what that conversation about was our vaginas. It's like mm. talking around it, but it's about what we do and the power what of it. Yeah. It's actually a really powerful period in your life where you get to choose how you look after yourself. Mm. And also, if you want to choose to 
be more sexually open or fluid. Kind of that ought to be your choice. But what society does is put shame on you for it. So yeah. you and your girlfriends are having conversations that all of us had. Mm. And there's no judgment. But actually what we're doing in that is judging, judging each, each other. other. And yeah. judging each other's vaginas. Yeah. I'm going to add Like, in... you can do what you want with your vagina. But breasts yeah. were another thing. Right. So girls that developed quite early, quick, uh, early mm. um, and had big breasts the boys engaged with more and therefore people watching boys engaging with them they often fell into that category of you know all of the negative stereotypes Mm. so I think it was a bit of both and for the girls that didn't have them like Mm. me we were automatically assumed to be closer to frigid because we weren't sexual in that way or didn't look sexual or didn't look sexual yeah Yeah. Mm. it's tragedy don't you think Mm. really the lack of understanding but it means we have to educate boys better too yeah you know we can't just empower our daughters we need to make sure we're re-educating our boys as well because you know there's lots of weird emotions going on in them at that time of life too and it's how you know if you look at eastern cultures they teach their teenage boys how to control that surge of sexual energy yeah that's where tantra comes from at school yeah well in in the in the family within the home yeah they teach them how to control that surge which is also what yoga was invented Mm. for yoga was invented to teach young boys how to sit still Mm. because they couldn't sit still and meditate for Mm. you know hours on end so the thing is really we have to make sure that we're teaching our boys how to control that energy that's going through them and you know where they're on heat all the time so they can balance it so that they're not putting pressure on our daughters you know it's it's got to be a two-way thing the schoolyard as it as it were can be a place that absolutely thrives on on bullying and competition Mm, and and i think the education thing and you know what what you mentioned june that we're not you know it sounds really amazing what they do in eastern cultures i just think if the schools taught young people better about sex and hormones and really gave them a vocabulary Mm -hmm. like give young people a vocabulary to talk to each other about these things and i think there's a huge gap Mm. in that i agree with you um but having worked in schools i think we put a lot on schools i think as families we need to come up with a conversation around sex relationships love interactions um and then it means that as teachers, because they're there to teach, they can have a better conversation. Because why you don't know what teacher you're going to put in front of a child to have a positive conversation about sex. If that person hasn't don't doesn't have a positive home. relationship themselves, yeah. Yeah. There's no, they can say anything they like, but they will not embody it. You know how, like, when, when you have... I mean, I don't have children, but when you have children and you have, like, pre- and then postnatal, like, classes... Mm. Do you think that like parents should like around the age of their kids when they hit yeah. 11, 12, 13 should teenage be given like classes. teenage yeah. class, teenage sex classes? Yeah. So loving this idea. Well, watch out for a new Perfect. campaign also, from June, Natalie and Mika. None of us yeah. have got children yet. Yeah, but we're going to like do it anyway. Because also I do think there's a difference in that I want the school to be educating my children. Yeah. But I think when it comes to intimacy, that is something yeah. that should be taught at home. Yeah. And, you, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you want both, as you say, mm-hmm. you know, you want school to tell your children about the sort of the safety elements and nitty gritty, how the body works, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what it should feel like, what it mm-hmm. should be, what you want your son or your daughter or whatever gender they identify as 
to experience in terms of it being a positive experience mm. that's a conversation that needs to be happening with people home. that are close to you yes. yeah and Definitely. and so they can bring out your individualism as well yeah. you're within the family yeah union. and you know ultimately you know you would hope a lot of this stuff especially in your early experiences is around love mm. you know i think the problem is we put pressure on teenagers to have sex for the first time yeah. outside of love yeah. and i do think that that does create problems later on in life do you mm. see what i mean because if you start from the basis of love i think that's a fabulous foundation and then if you want to go and explore and so on mm. after mm. that's different mm. you've got that foundation there's that solid, esteem yeah actually love esteem if, yeah. totally mm. and you can then play off that but it's the other way around at the mm. moment and i think that's why we have so many particularly young women with self-esteem issues mm. because I think the other thing in our culture is we don't realise how powerful sex is. Mm. It's a powerful no, but that's energy. what I'm saying about you the vagina. You with someone, you're taking on their energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't want to be travelling around with that all the time. Yeah. I mean, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go on now. <laughs> I, do, I believe that if, if we thought about if yeah. every single person that we interact with in that way, yeah. leaving... An, an energy imprint. print on us. Yes. We would make different decisions. Very about different who choices. We let up in our yeah, aura. yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I I'm definitely saying. would. Yeah. Hashtag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I so. am looking forward to the campaign <laughs> for teenagers with June and Natalie. I'm on board. I was yeah, in church as you were saying yeah. that. I am like. It's energetically, yeah. I think as we get older, we realise about who we let into our space. Yes. And so if I will not sit next to you, now I know, you know, I don't want to sit next to that person because energetically they're, they're off. Not, they're off. Yeah. But when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, yeah. 17, meeting boys, I yeah, didn't yeah. think about no. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to be like, oh, you like me? Okay. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that that yeah. I mean, we need it to stays. be having these conversations yeah. with the our kids. Yeah. You know, this is powerful stuff, especially when you are being bombarded mm. everywhere with images of sex. And now, mm. you know, porn is so easily accessible. Mm. So for a lot of young kids, their first experience with sex is watching adult sex online. It's yeah. so dangerous. And aggressive. Yeah. yeah. So aggressive. The, no highest, the highest yeah. Googled is really yeah. aggressive porn. The kind of impact that's going to have on the psychology Disconnected, of disconnected unintimate, and yeah. disassociated. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, June, speaking of campaigns and the new one, your one of the favourite bits of work that you do is the pledge. Oh, I love the pledge. Love yeah, but one of the reasons I love it is yeah. because of people like Carol Malone, who has yes. her opinion, and yeah. she doesn't, and you as well. But all of you, you're, it's a really 
It's a really honest mm, show. Yeah. One of my favourite episodes is the one where you were talking about the period emoji. Yes. And you, <laughs> I quote, said, perhaps this will give periods the reverence it deserves. Yes. Which I loved. Yes. We need to bow to the period. To the, well, what I wanna... Without it, there is no humanity. That's right. Instead of us being ashamed every month, but Hello, I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> bow, bow. <laughs> or I will stamp on you. We all say song, bow down, bitches. Bow down, everyone. <laughs> I suppose I wanted to ask you on a more personal level, because for me, as, as a performer, I sometimes find it easier to talk about things um, publicly mm. than I do to my lover or to my best friend yeah. or a family yeah. member. Yeah, yeah. What I really want to know is whether or not you find it easy to talk about these things to your nearest and dearest. Now I do, but that's taken time. You know, right. you know, I'm in my 40s now. I do think, you know, you get much more confident as you get older. Um, certainly in my 20s in relationships, you know, I was never the person sending my boyfriend out to buy tampons and mm. stuff. Um, but now, definitely, I think... And also... Now I'm just grateful I still got a period. So <laughs> let me hold on to this thing as long as I can. But that, I've got a period. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, but, you know, I'm at that stage now. But that young girl in her twenties that wouldn't yeah. have sent her boyfriend out—that that has to be. I mean, at its at its minimal, you could say that you were a bit shy about it. At, at the worst, no, it's shame. shame. It's I, shame. Yeah, I wouldn't even say shy. I and would I, say shame. Where where would you say for you? that came from like was it was society at large Mm. i mean and i still think we still have a lot of shame around our periods i mean for any woman the number one fear when we're on is the idea of leaking through our clothes you know oh my god Mm. like you're just paranoid the whole time Mm. i know i don't wear any bright colors in my first few days Mm. i mean and again why are we so ashamed of something that is absolutely natural? Well, the most important thing, not just natural, yeah. it's so like key to humanity. Here, right? yeah. But yeah, so, and, and I don't know if that ever leaves you. I think we've got a long way to go bef- as a society before we get to a place where women can really, truly, truly uh, be free. Be free in that way. Well, I'm going to two two things that happened to me mm. that, because I'm with you, you know, so much. Uh, personal stigma and fear around mm. um, periods and that thing of leaking and I don't know when it was but it must maybe 10 years ago I was mm. wearing an all white outfit ooh, and ooh. I hosted a drinks uh, reception for some friends and I had basically bled through everything no one said anything no I've had that happen and when I was young about 14 or 15 I had no, no I was 20 something so, uh, so I'm with uh, you know other professional women right um, we no posted drinks. Told no, you. so I don't know if they saw, but they must have seen because when I got home and I turned round, literally all of the back of my Why clothes. Why didn't they was just bloody. tell you? <laughs> and we'd walk to the station. I'd waved a group. So off. when you sat on the tube, it must have made it. You know? Yeah. So people obviously saw this, and I thought, you know, if I can walk all of that way through Angel on a train. <laughs> And no one say anything. Do you know what? I really don't give a shit anymore. Oh, so, so it was freeing yeah, for you. I was like, oh, well, okay. And my friends, are, no one ever, has ever mentioned Did you it. ask I've them? Never, no, and I've never actually spoken <laughs> about it until now. Um, but no one said anything. And I'm like, okay. And yeah, you know, it was an all white outfit. I had to throw the whole thing away. Um, so that was the first thing. So that for me actually was quite liberating because yeah. I did die. Yeah. And 
was I really embarrassed? No one laughed at you. No one made fun of you. But the second one was, and this is going back to hip hop, Mm. uh, Mary J. Blige Mm. and Method Man had a video, (laughs) All I Need need, to Get By. And at the end, the whole video culminates, like we think he's off doing some dodgy dealing. He goes to buy her tampons. Shut up. No, it's that one. Oh, yeah. 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 He dropped a box of tampons. No, really? I, I don't think I've ever watched that video oh, all the way no, through. We need but that. he's like acting right. all shady, like yeah. behind the wall, being all method man and all smooth, like and he was my ideal sweetheart. guy. And then he comes in and he drops tampons on the bed. Love him. That's oh, amazing. We need to tweet that video. Yeah. yeah. We need to tweet it. And also yeah. we need to work out whose idea it was because I bet it was Mary J's. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. Very good. Love that. Uh, Natty, thank you for sharing those stories. I think that um, they will really help people. Mm. My favourite episodes of Baddest Women's Hour is when you had Laura Dodsworth on, who photographed 100 vulvas. I've got some terrible statistics. Research has shown that 50% of women worry about whether their vulva looks normal. Mm. And one in every seven women has considered getting plastic surgery on it. And what I loved about... yeah, Wow. I've got lots of female friends who, who really... I mean, period shame's one thing. Vulva shame yeah. and feeling like a deep rooted disgust at your own body, mm-hmm. I think is um deep. It's deep. And for me, I just I just I I I'd do anything to take it away. And I think what Laura did with that book to show all the different shapes and sizes and colours and everything of vulvas, mm. like that's an amazing thing. Yes. And I wondered when you met her and worked with her and interviewed her, did it change did it have a deep impact on you? Not, I don't want to know about your vulva. I want to know whether or not it really changed your attitude to yourself as a woman and your body. Massively so. Mm. Every conversation we have um, changes my perception around what I think I know and how I feel about myself. Oh, wonderful. Mm. Definitely. Positively. Positively, yeah, yeah mm. definitely. Um, and that one specifically, because I'd never... I, I'd, I'd never sat there with a the mirror and thought, well, let me have a butcher's. Mm. <laughs> but my, I did. My mum used to do that. Carry on. Yeah. No, workshops in my house. Oh. Vagina examining workshops in my house growing up. But Natalie. That's, that's actually quite normal, though. So women used to have a mirror by the bed yeah. to examine themselves. <laughs> yeah. And mm. that's obviously died out. But I had never really had, had a, a good look at myself. Mm. And I had a look and I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, Doesn't yeah. look like the pornos, but okay, fine. <laughs> is the measure that's what people walk into um a plastic surgeon and say i want it to look like the design of vagina exactly yeah but i have a slightly different take on it because i think that vaginas anyway are probably the ultimate equalizer as it were Mm. in that bodies women are always sort of put against each other as to what an ideal body is or whatever i think comparison comparisons vaginas and i'm Speaking in a heterosexual context mm. here, vaginas actually. <laughs> if you ask any man, they're quite happy. Yeah, once we get to vagina territory, it's the woman's. Yeah, well, yeah. especially if they love you. Yeah, I think if a man loves you, we've got one man in the room. Just introducing yeah. our <laughs> editor for the Happy Vagina. <laughs> territory everything doesn't matter yeah, because getting true. to vagina territory is a different ball game yeah, yeah. but once you're there you're yeah. there yeah yeah okay. so i think yeah i think this is something women we put on ourselves it's hard Very isn't true. it never really, really i never hard. heard many men say oh i didn't like the look of her vagina no never no never never never, never. <laughs> 
what I would say is it's made me look at uh, the male anatomy in a different way. Mm. And I've now started assessing oh. the length of all oh. sacs really? ratio. Yeah, because I never, well, I just never thought about sexual organs in that mm. way. Wow. Interesting. And now I'm like, oh, they're all very different. Really? Mm. Yeah. That's oh. interesting. Okay. But can I just Not ask? During the yeah, act. I just want to know. Like, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm just trying to digest. Like, where are you looking at so these varying? Naked attraction. I think it's, it's a, a weird show. Oh, show. Oh, but I don't like it. But I don't like it at all. Natalie's into to it. see I've not different it. types. Different types. I watched it and I was like, cool. That's right size. Because it's the only. I conceptually, it's just weird to choose people based on the body parts. But for some young people, it's the only place they will see alternatives mm. other than pornography. Mm. So if yeah. it's an option... So it's an important piece of work, actually. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Like this thing that somehow or other, like I definitely would admit that I've got a gap between what is actually going on mm. emotionally, in my body, what my body looks like and what I present. Mm. Like the whole of society has got this gap mm. between reality yeah. And it's changing at the moment, which yeah. I think is really exciting. Yeah. There's just some really serious campaigning going on yeah. for change around us not veering towards stereotypically commercial mm. looks. Yeah. What we think anymore. Yeah. yeah. We've had Boring. enough. We've yeah. all had enough. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of campaigning, mm. June, you've dedicated much of your life to campaigning for change in one field where I felt particularly disturbed since creating the Lady Garden Foundation is the huge discrepancy in diagnosis for black women in the UK for gynaecological cancers. Mm. So a UK-wide study from 2017 found that 44% of black women did not regularly attend smear tests in comparison with only 21%, which is still really bad, Mm. 21% of British white women. The most cited reasons that they didn't attend was because they weren't engaged or they didn't really know about it. What I want to know, of course, mm. is what your personal experiences were like. Your first gyne experiences when you were growing up. Did you go for your smear test? Did yeah. someone tell you you should go? Yeah, well, my mother is a nurse. So, um, um, and she was a gyne nurse. So we, for, so for me, smear tests and all of that was something that, you know, we didn't talk about sex, per se, but we talked about the sort of health aspects. Biology. And the sort of, the biology and the sort of functionality mm. of things. So um, so for me, in our household, that was something that all of the women did. Um, I think in terms of why there's such a large discrepancy amongst um, the number of uh, black women, but I bet you it's similar mm. numbers for Asian women as yeah. well. I think it's, an, it's, a, it's a case of agency. Mm. You know, if you look at, uh, I bet you a large number of that group are probably first generation Mm -hmm. immigrant right and so therefore if you look at the way doctors treat and speak to Mm -hmm. uh women from backgrounds like that women who may not have the same level of confidence let's say as a natalie or an i the way they are treated is so differently so therefore actually you don't want to put yourself in that so so there's a dismissiveness or or just a lack of heart or nurture well i think because of the systemic racism that's in society in general yeah so it filters through every yeah. layer yeah. of society yeah. and every level. Yeah. So we shouldn't be surprised, you know, if those women are earning less than their white female counterparts, if those women are being educated less than their white female counterparts, why would we be surprised that the same is also applies where health is concerned? Yeah. So it's about a bigger issue that we have to address in society. Right. I'm going to add on to, to that. 
because of that reason, I find, specifically in my own family, and I now have this, self-diagnosis and healing is more prevalent. So I had, growing up, so my gynecological health has always been a thing. I had thrush, I used to have mm. um, uh, uh, urinary tract infections. Mm. So I said, you know. I went Constantly. To, yeah, yeah, so I was always aware of my um, my health mm. yeah. uh, in that way. And then one day it just suddenly um, stopped. So I was like, okay, figured out. Um, but having bad experiences at the doctors because you've been dismissed for me meant that I stopped going and you, I didn't. Do make you mean the dismissed as in they said you were better and you weren't, or do you mean they were dismissed? Well, dismissed with you. In nothing, nothing wrong yeah. with you, or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Do you want some antibiotics? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm telling you, there's something wrong. I'm in yeah. tune, yeah, and you're dismissing me, so I'm not going to come back to you. Yeah, and I didn't figure it out until maybe six months ago on Badass Women's Hour and we had an episode on uh, how doctors treat women mm. and I realised that the reason I don't go to the doctors is because I feel dismissed and so I self-diagnose and it's even worse and for women of colour yeah mm. so it's, if you, but you, I didn't make the connection yeah, for totally. all of this time yeah so I will d- take any kind mainly rum mm. I, I don't take any medication I don't take paracetamol I could have a headache. I just try and figure out some food or something to put in my body, mm. or rest, would, or whatever. Or rest. Yeah. So did you just say it. that one of your self your self medications is rum? Yes. <laughs> ask anyone who knows me, Jamaican <laughs> overproof sixty percent white rum will kill any, any cold, bacteria, blue, bacteria, anything that is wrong with you. You have a shot of that. And I, pro- it's me- it's medicinal. It's the same thing as what's in Night Nurse. Mm. It's the same percentage. Is it? Just pure. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Who knew? So, and I don't, I don't go to the doctors. I don't get. You Ill. just drink rum. I just drink <laughs> rum. Wow. But it comes from that thing of that first element of being dismissed. Yeah. Makes the interaction harder, and then you realise ten years has gone by and you haven't yeah. been, and that yeah. also means therefore not going for a smear test. Yeah, yeah. I mean the smear well, test even... statistics are terrible, terrible at the moment, and they're dropping, which I'm finding quite weird. I mean. Just this week has been the last episode of the well, Jay Goody, Goody thing will help and lot. it went up mm. after sadly she she lost her life to cervical mm. cancer. The statistics and people going went really went up, and now they're dropping massively again. And actually, I, we're trying to find out why, and there isn't enough research into it yet. But um, but I think this conversation has kind of been re sparked off the back of the documentary. Well, mm. why can't I get a smear test when I go and get a wax? So I mean, it's make much it more easy. Make it easy. Put it where I am. Yeah. If I have to book an appointment and then it's two weeks later, then it's during work time. And, you know, think women are working. They're busy. They're doing now, things. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember legs up in the stirrups, white, you know, 70-year-old doctor probably. He's probably only 40, but mm. I'm, like, young. <laughs> you know, and I'm, like, All there. there. Yeah. yeah, and it's painful. And then they tell you to relax and you're, like, are you serious? <laughs> I can't relax right now. Um, and just the whole... What what happens for me when I go for a smear is that every single shame feeling that I've ever had, so uh, fear around STDs or having got an STD when I was younger or, mm. oh, I haven't waxed mm. or um, the memory of having sex with someone that I really shouldn't have done. It's like it on a tissue body in, level yes. while you've got your legs up in the stirrups. The trauma I think reigniting. it all comes in. Yeah. I think it all comes in. And maybe that's also the other thing that's needed, some sort of, therapy before yeah you know like someone to just talk to you to just mentally get you in the headspace yeah, for. yeah. and the anxiety afterwards while you have to wait yeah oh god because then yeah. it's two weeks even if you end. assume there's nothing wrong you you know you've been for a test you yeah. don't have the results yeah. to so regardless yeah. you're going to ruminate on not having the results and yeah. what if the results are negative mm. yeah and i think once you put all of that together that whole package challenges getting there the experience mm. of being there and then the weight 
I think for a lot of women, they go... I prefer not to know. Exactly. I mean, my mum was a nurse as well. Wow. And she'd prefer not to know. Wow. And my grandmother, they'd prefer wow. not to know. Wow. I mean, it's not helping anyone. It's not no. helping the NHS. It's not, you know, it's actually really, it's, yeah. it's a, hu- a huge issue. June, you are someone who's spoken really openly and I'm so grateful that you've done it about egg freezing. Mm, it's yeah. something that I looked into and was advised not to do. Oh. But I just really wanted to hear about you know, how you, 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 you spoke quite specifically about the conflict between being a woman who has a career in works mm. and the conflicts that brings up for us as women who may want to wait to have children. Mm. And you took action over it. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't want to wait to have children. I hadn't met anybody. Right. And, and, and I just didn't want to be, you know, desperate and thinking, oh, my God, biological clock. And I think actually the good thing about it is it, you know, it's sort of, it's an ultimate leveller in terms of power for men and women because part of the reason uh, we are uh, valued in society is based on youth and fertility in mm. our society. Mm. And actually, it I think we're much better as we get older. You know, yeah. I much prefer myself now than when yeah. I was you know, 10 years younger or whatever. Yeah. And I think the minute women are, ourselves are no longer... Uh, insecure and um, neurotic over age and fertility, we will really get into our power because I think at this stage is when we are the best for ourselves and also the best for our mates. I mean, I'm having the best time. I'm having the time of my life at the moment. Yeah. And so for me, why I did it was, you know, I, I think I was 35 at the time and I just thought, actually, I'd just come out of a serious relationship and I thought, hmm, don't want to be one of those women thinking, oh my God, just got to go with him because I want a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad I did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually not that... only problem is it's not cheap, mm-hmm. so that's what needs to change. Mm-hmm. But it's not that traumatic an experience. So, again, every conversation we have... So, after <laughs> you, you said it on the show, my, I've been ruminating on it. It's actually a page that's open on my phone. Oh, and wow! And I toss between doing the test to figure out my fertility through to just freezing them. Oh, well, then to, maybe just no, do the test. No, they'll have to do that. But if you go to freeze well, them, they'll do check. the AMH. What, I, no, but I, she I, should just do the AMH because you might be super fertile. You might have just loads of follicles. Know. Why don't you want to know? I don't know. And this is what I haven't worked out. I, I don't know if Who ignorance is also might... bliss. Just go about my life, living my life. And if it happens, it happens. Uh, and I, I think it goes back to everything we're talking about in terms of our vaginas. Sometimes when you think about something too much, you mm. turn it into a problem. Yes. Or you turn and it bring into a an problem anxiety. you don't have. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what I take from growing up with my gran and my strong aunties is they just got on with life. They did. There was no time to no. Be, have anxiety yeah. or be depressed no. or anything. And maybe they were, but maybe. they just got on with they it. And I'm like, you it. know what? Let me just get on with my yeah. life and have a good time yeah. and have great sex. And if I have babies, I great. have babies. Yeah. Um, but there is also that element of, but I can freeze them if I want to, which is why it's open on my phone. Okay. Yeah, I understand well, why I you're would doing just, I would just go and look because you yeah. might actually not need to. When you started Badass Women's Hour, was it was it easy to get that show, or did you have to fight for it? You created it, didn't you? Did you have to fight for it, or did they kind of go, "Yeah, this we need this"? I say to people often, when you don't know you're supposed to be somewhere, you end up there. If I'd have thought about the fact that I'm a black woman and I'm young and blah blah blah, and black women don't sit on boards, I wouldn't be sitting on boards. But 
I, I look after over a billion pounds of public funding because I didn't realise I wasn't supposed to be doing this. At well, you are supposed to be doing it. So no, you didn't realise that some people who are very narrow-minded thought that maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Not that you... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, made that context, really yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. Hello. In the same Hello. way <laughs> as women's are, I didn't realise that only 4% of radio output was women speaking to women. We found that out afterwards oh wow and so we, ignorance is bliss yeah. yeah so you know we rocked up to, to wireless talk radio and said we think this is a great concept we've tested it out they said cool come in record a few if we like it we'll put it on air i'm like okay cool you want to go live and like, mm, try it out a bit more I'm like okay fine they thought we'd stop showing up and we showed up every week wow on time ready to go no script just knocked it out and we were really ourselves and we still are yeah completely yeah. ourselves yeah. so it's yeah. an amazing it's a thing great show. it is really and a bit it's like a the pledge as well what i love about it is the conflict between you three yeah. that that you don't there's no codependency it's like no i don't believe that emma <laughs> with three but you very respect different women. each other yeah. and it's clear you're friends as well which is yeah. lovely well, yeah. you know we we hang out we have dinner we go on holiday um and that's what that what that's the thing that enables the intimate conversations to happen mm. and you can see when one of us has been triggered by something a guest oh, might have said yeah. uh, and then you know in that moment do you tease this out because mm. this is an important conversation mm-hmm. because one of us has just had an aha mm-hmm. or do you let it be because mm. you also don't want your co-presenter to have a nervous breakdown mm. on radio yeah and that's a really fine line mm. um and so i shared for the first time and i you know not even most of my friends don't know this that I had an abortion and it's because we were talking about mm. um uh, picket picket lines mm. and it was actually at the clinic that I had my abortion at oh, at 17 wow. and oh, I was like you. I was that girl walking in at 17 oh. and it's that moment of you do needed I choose to share, to that, share that but, well, you I, needed but I didn't because I'm completely it. fine with it but in that moment I was like to give this context to why this is so abhorrent to me yeah mm. and Emma could see that there was something there but she wasn't mm. sure and so I shared it and it's that's that's, that's what I mean oh yeah so I did you share need, it on air yeah and you, yeah. and the reason I say you needed to I, I don't mean for you Natty mm. I get the impression that you know yourself very well as a woman but I feel like you needed to share it so that you could actually put a stamp on that conversation and go I was that person yeah. so that the, so the conversation went away from being a political conversation into a personal conversation yeah. about the impact of yeah. abortion on women yeah. and what the picket lines do to women and choice and how different your life would have been if you a child that you were not ready for exactly for either you or the child yeah, yeah. Mm. and so that's the beauty and that's the beauty of this conversation mm. that there's no you don't feel the glare of, of someone else's opinion coming in, mm. in to monitor what you want to say. Mm. And I think the time is now for us to be able to say things in a way that makes sense yeah. to us. The individual. Versus, exactly. So it's to amazing, point around isn't shame. It? Yeah. Meh. If someone wants to shame me for something I've said, then that's yeah. on them. Yeah. But it is my It says life more about true. them yeah. than it does about you. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the world is literally a much, much better place having you two in it. Aww, and I feel honoured. You honored too, Mika. Really, we adore you. feel very honoured to know you both. I've got one final question for you. Mm. If your vagina could talk today and say something to you, what would it say to you? Or ask for it's something. It's a good time. Or ask it's for something. It's a good time. It's a good time at this particular time in your life. That's what it would say. Yeah. yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah, mine too. Mm. Except for a couple of days before my period. Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Mostly great. Nah.
mine is my favorite message that I send to people. It's like, girl, with <laughs> you. Apostrophe. You're badass. Hello. Full stop. Yeah. Natalie Campbell, June Salfong, thank you for coming on the Happy Vagina. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thanks for listening everyone i hope you found the episode enlightening and empowering and a mega thank you to our sponsors today kindred kindred has the capacity to make a huge difference in the way we give as every transaction made will benefit a charity of your choice so get downloading at www.kindred.co that's www.kindred.co kindred share what you love Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 